Good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. Everybody enjoying? This is incredible weather. Is it or is it not? I know. I feel a little bit like the weatherman just commenting on the weather every week, but man, it is so nice, so nice, so nice. It's been such a great 4th of July week and had a great week and, and being able just to do so much in the community. And so thank you for all your help and all of your work. And today we're going to conclude this series on Priceless. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, it's just uh, two verses here that we're going to look at today and, and one that we're really going to focus in on. In this series, one of the things that we've done is to, uh, is to talk about what money can't buy. What you can't order online, what won't be delivered to your house, what you can't go around the corner and pick up at Walgreens, what literally is priceless. And, and it's my belief that this is why we all gather together. It's not for church. It's not to check a box. It's, it's not to drop the kids off. It's not to, to see other people. It's not to just to hear a sermon or, or be a part. It, it is to encounter a God who shows up in ways that only he can that are priceless that we can't get any other way and so we've talked about the presence of God and we've talked about the peace of God and today I just want to talk about the grace of God see grace is so much greater than just what we have at salvation yes we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that not of ourselves yes it is amazing grace that were, saves us and saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. But if all you have grace in your life and the value of grace in your life is just for the moment of salvation when you came into faith in Jesus Christ, if that is it, you're missing out on, I think, a powerful, priceless um, fuel for your life and for living. I, 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 I want to unpack... What does it mean, not just to be saved by grace, but what does it mean, the effects and the benefits of what a life that has this grace of God in it and, and how that works? And, and how do you define grace? I mean, you know, we, we, you know, theologically, it's the unmerited favor of God. None of us are deserving of it, yet we receive this. Uh, it's been said that grace isn't picky. It doesn't look for things done that deserve love. Grace operates apart from the response or the ability of an individual. Grace is very one-sided. Grace is God giving himself in full acceptance to someone who does not deserve it and who can never earn it and never be able to repay it. That's grace. And, you know, and, and sometimes when you, when you hear this subject on grace, I was reading this week, and, and one of my favorite authors is Chuck Swindoll. He was the president of Dallas Theological Seminary and pastor of the great church in Fullerton, California, now in Stonebriar uh, Community Church in Frisco, Texas. He says this, no one expects you to use, uh, uh, to excuse sin uh, of the unlovely or that you should become a doormat. Extending grace doesn't send the message that you approve of someone's behavior and don't fall into the trap of fearing that grace enables people in their sin. Contrary, in fact, grace brings conviction to the heart of a sinner much more quickly than a rebuke. It's the power of grace to save us and to sustain us. To save us, and if you're far away from God today, understand His grace is greater than all of your sin. 
It's, 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 it's far more vast than you, can, than you can use. But it also sustains us. And that, that's what I really want to get into today is the sustaining grace of God. And so Paul talks about the subject of grace in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read these two verses. And I want to unpack that today uh, as we talk about how grace sustains us. What's the benefits of grace? What's the effect of grace in our life? And how do we utilize it? Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles... And I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10. But by the grace of God. Love that phrase. But by the grace of God. I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No. I worked harder than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul, as you're unpacking this in verse 10, he uses that phrase, but by the grace of God, we understand that grace is divine. That grace is divine. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, that grace is simply divine. It doesn't come from you or from I. We don't have the ability to give grace like that. We, we, it, it, it doesn't come from a company. It doesn't come from a, even the institution of the church. No, grace comes from God himself. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. But by the grace of God, I am. And so it's, 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 very, it's very foundational to understand that grace doesn't come from someone sitting to your left or someone sitting to your right. Grace is not something that is, is born of this world. Grace is divine. It, it's, it, it comes from God and, and, and God who gives it freely. And, and here's the deal is our lives look much differently without grace. If you have your Bibles, if you want to do this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's going to be on the screen. But Philippians, if you want to turn to, your, uh, to, the, to the right in your Bible, if you want to go to the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 4, 5, and 6, Paul describes what his life looks like without grace. I'll read it for you. He says, verse 4, Philippians chapter 3, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, I, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. There's no lack of conceit there, is there? Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, comma, faultless. You thought like LeBron James wrote that, right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like there is no lack of confidence in that. If you look at those verses, Paul says, hey, without grace, I'm arrogant. Verse 4, if anyone thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh and their own ability, I have more. I have more, I have more reasons why I should put confidence in my flesh. Without grace, Paul's comparative. In verse 5, he says, hey man, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. What he, what's he saying? I'm a legacy. I've been in this thing my whole life. I, I, I have I, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather. If anybody has a right to be here, if anybody has a right to stand here, if anybody has a right to kind of beat their chest, it's me. I'm a legacy. This, this is, this is, I'm better than. Paul goes on to say, hey, without grace, I'm competitive. Look at verse 5. And in regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. And understand the Pharisee was, was, was part of the, of the Sanhedrin, which was not only the religious leadership of, of the nation of Israel, but it was also their, their, their government. So the government, the state and church, were one and the same. Not separated the way we would do it. It's one and the same. 
And so the reality is that these individuals were people that were not only powerful within the circles of, of the church, but they were powerful when it came to law and to government. They were, they were the power brokers. And he said, look, in regard to the law, in regard to keeping the law of Moses, in regard to what you and I as Gentiles would call the Old Testament, in regard to that, I'm a Pharisee. I'm at the top of the class. I, I, I've got all of the skins on the wall to prove it. Verse 6 says that Paul was completely cold-hearted. How did he get there? By persecuting the church. By persecuting the church. I mean, this is a, uh, I mean he, he was there when Stephen, the, the deacon in Acts chapter 6, is stoned. Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 7. He's there when Stephen was stoned. He was holding the coats of those who were killing this deacon in the church. In verse 6, as for righteousness based on the law, I'm faultless. He was completely conceited. Without the grace of God. Without the grace of God, you and I are arrogant. Without the grace of God, you and I are comparative. Without the grace of God, you and I are reduced to competitive nature. Without the grace of God, we are calculated and cold-hearted. Without the grace of God, we are a conceited group of people. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, Paul says. But by the grace of God, grace covers us. It makes us better than what we are. It makes us more receivable than we could ever be on our own. It gives us a more kinder and gentler version of ourselves. It's the grace of God. It's divine. Now, I just want to say this because in pastoring these number of years, one of the things I've seen, I've seen people who have been way outside the grace of God come into faith in Jesus Christ. And I've seen very cold-hearted, conceited calculable, um, kind of uh, very uh, competitive individuals come in and give their heart and life to God and, and the grace of God, that divine grace of God just change them and soften them and all of a sudden there's this wonderful person that's there and you're like, it's amazing. It, it, it's not the church that did it. It, it. It's not a sermon that did it. It's not a song that didn't it. It's not, it's not even a product of, of some human intervention. No, it's, it's divine. God shows up. He puts his super onto their natural. And all of a sudden you see this, this person that was once calloused and kind of crass and kind of hard. All of a sudden there, there, there's this softness. There's this gentleness. There's this. But also seeing the opposite of people who were ministering under the grace of God and, and, and touching people's lives under the grace of God. And all of a sudden, because of choices that they made, they walked away from their faith. They walked away from what they believed. And, and what happened in that moment is you began to see what happens when the hand of God lifts off someone. And someone who was kind all of a sudden becomes very, very short. And someone who was, who was, who, who was, who was so gentle becomes almost hostile. And, 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 and someone who, who was very receivable all of a sudden just kind of shuts everybody out and pushes everybody away. And you go, what is that? That's what it looks like without the grace of God in their life. Scary. And Paul says, look, I understand what it's like to be without the grace of God. And I know what it's like to be in the grace of God. And I am what I am, but for the grace of God. It's divine. I, I can't earn it. I, I, I don't deserve it. But by the grace of God, it's divine. Secondly, he says that the grace of God is dynamic. It's dynamic. It, it, it's, it's not some passive, passe, past tense. No, it's very active. Look at verse 10 again. He says, this grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than them all. 
Them all, meaning the other disciples, the other apostles. See, Paul's life was so changed by grace that the grace became the dynamic power by which he lived. Grace became the motivator in his life. He understood that what he was without God. He, he, he knew what the result of his life was without God. And then he knows what his life is with God. And the result of God's grace and his life. And it's, it's priceless. It's this priceless, powerful dynamic. It's greater than any any life coach can ever be. It, it, it's greater than, 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 than any motivational speaker can ever motivate you. Why? Because you know what you were and you know what you could be without it. And you know that you're like the turtle on the fence post. You didn't get there by yourself. You understand? Somebody had to help you. And that hand of God reached down into, into just the muck and the mire of your life and pulled you out to safety and redeemed you, restored you, and did a work in your life. And because of that, you are what you are. Because of that, there's a dynamic, there's a power in which to live life. And I want to stop here because I think sometimes we think, well, this Christian walk is very passe. I'm just going to tell you, if following Jesus was easy, everybody would do it. Why not? you ever thought about that? Why not say the prayer, Lord, I, I, I believe you're my Savior. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior. Forgive my sins and save me from my sins and let me go to heaven with you. Why not pray the prayer, take the communion, do whatever you need to do, sign the card, because maybe they're right. Maybe there really is a hell. Maybe there really is a devil. And maybe if you die, there really is an afterlife. So why not just get the insurance? You ever thought about that? Just say the prayer and go on. Some of you are like, think about it, that's the way I live life. Don't point, it's not nice, okay? <laughs> and the reality is, is that sometimes that's what we think. Well, that's what this whole thing is. And so, and, and so well, and I do that, then I show up at church, and I check the box, and I do that. No, 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 no. This is active. That's first base, baby. That, that, I mean, like, nobody goes to Miller Park to watch them get on first base. We want to see them round the bases and come into home. We want to see points on the board. We, 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 we want to win. Paul will go on to say, I don't run this race to get a participant's ribbon. Woo, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Not everybody gets the same ribbon. You, re you realize that. He says, I run this race to win. Who's he running against? You and me and everybody else. I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. You know what I'm talking about? He'll eat you before he eats me. Amen. Glory to God. Right? So the deal is, there's this tension that happens. It's healthy. That says, look, I... I know that everything depends upon God. I know that. I know that God has his whole world in his hands. I know that the grace of God is completely divine. But I'm going to run my race, whatever's in my hand to do, whatever God's called me to do, I'm going to do it with all my might. I'm going to work as though it depends upon me, and I'm going to pray because I know it depends upon God. I'm going to work as though it depends upon me, but I'm going to pray because I know that it ultimately is up to God. That's what Paul's saying. Look, the grace of God was not without effect. No, I worked harder than them all. Are you working harder than them all? See, this isn't like I'm just going to come in and pray a prayer for fire insurance to save my butt out of hell. No, what I'm doing is I want to run this race. I want to live this life. I want to optimize every opportunity. And grace is the power. 
Grace is the dynamic. Grace is the motivator. Because I know what I was. I know what I could be. But I know where I am. And I know I'm way better than what I deserve. And so because of that, I'm going to own this space. And look, if you want to sit around and drink a Diet Coke and eat a bag of Funyuns and watch it happen, that's okay. But I'm going to get on the field. I am going to give my all. I'm going to run that race. Amen. See, grace is not passe. Grace is not soft. Grace is not easy. No, Jesus paid much too high a price for grace. He gave his life. And if we didn't need grace, God would have never given his one and only son. And Jesus would have never given his life. No, we need grace. Don't waste grace. Use it. Don't let it be like bread in the cupboard that goes bad or like milk that, spill, uh, that, that spoils in the refrigerator. No, use it. Consume it. Why? Because he was given to you for that purpose. If you and I could have done this without it, God would have never given his only son, but by the grace of God. And it's not just that grace that saves me. It's not just that grace that redeems me. It's not just that grace that restores me. It's that grace that works every day in my life. It's that grace that helps me to like people I don't want to like and, and, and help me to deal with problems that I don't really know how to deal with and pressures that I don't really know how to handle. It's the grace of God that fuels me every day of my life. So grace is divine. Grace is dynamic. Grace is dependable. It's dependable. Look back at verse 10. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I'm not dependable, but the grace of God is. I'm going to mess up, but the grace of God won't. I'm going to fail you, but the grace of God never will. Paul says, it's not I. I'm going to run this thing with all my might. I'm going to work harder than anybody else. I'm not going to let the grace be wasted on me. But even in that, it's not me. It's the Lord. Paul recognized the need every day for a new measure of grace. A new measure of grace. You need grace today. I need grace today. You will need new grace tomorrow. See, sometimes I think we think, oh, man, I really wish I could dispel this and I don't know how to dispel it. But I think so many times people think, well, man, you're the pastor or so-and-so. You know, they just kind of like, you know, man, there's just this different level. <laughs> no. I am as jacked up as you are. I am as messed up as you are. And any preacher, priest, whomever tells you they're not, they're lying to you. Now, there's only one who is perfect, and his name is Jesus. The rest of us are just one beggar to another beggar where to find food. I'm only elevated because I'm on a stage that's higher than the floor that you're sitting in. That's it. And I need new grace today. And I'm going to need new grace tomorrow. And I'm going to fall. And I'm going to fail. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to implode and explode. I'm going to have all of my issues. I have people that I go to and say, will you pray with me about this? I have people that I go to and that I vent my frustrations. I have people that I, I go to that I go, hey, man, I am really, really, really struggling with. I, I don't come up here on the weekends and do that because... 
Everyone loves a wounded healer. No one wants a bleeding healer. So I'm no different than you. So what qualifies you to be up here? The grace of God. It's just a calling. If this was about merit, I mean, yeah, I can get into tit for tat with theological degrees and earn doctorate and blah, 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 blah. But who cares? That's what Paul's saying. Look, I, I, I can tell you that I'm a legacy in the church. I can tell you all the degrees I have. I can tell you all the credentials I have. I can tell you all the boards I serve on and blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, what really boils down to, I'm no different than you. But by the grace of God, God has called me. He's given me one ability. I have one ability in life besides eating. I guess I have two abilities. <laughs> and that's to speak. And even if it's not good, it's at least going to be long, so you can count on that, right? And that's just what it is. That's all I got. Kind of a, just a one-trick pony. I mean, this is it. This is it. This is as good as it gets. And I smile and make it look as best as I can. I mean, that's it. But by the grace of God, I need grace. I needed new grace yesterday. I need new grace this morning. I will need new grace tomorrow. And the grace of God is dependable. It is always there. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 19 says this. I remember my afflictions and my wondering and the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well how my soul was downcast within, within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have a hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Grace is like manna in the Old Testament. It appears every day. In the Old Testament... Moses told them, said, look, God's going to feed us in the wilderness. And every day, there's, you're going to walk outside, and there's going to be manna. There's going to be bread for you to eat. And you don't need to take more than what you need just for the day. And if they take more than what they needed for the day, it would spoil. But if they took what they just needed for the day, it would last into the day, because the next morning, there was going to be more manna. And only, the, only the, the day before the Sabbath were the day they were to take two days portion because on the Sabbath they were not to work. That was a day of rest. Therefore, they would, that would last only two days. But within two days period, it would all completely uh, basically mold and, and, and turn bad. And so God was teaching them it's every day. It's every morning. It's every day. It's every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Every morning, every day. The mercies and grace of God are new every single day. What do you need grace for today? See, you may need grace and strength today for something you don't need yesterday. Thank God that he gives you what you need for today. You're going to need grace and strength tomorrow for something you don't need for today. Next week, you're going to need grace and strength for something else that you didn't need last week. And next month, you may need it for something else you didn't need that month before. And you may be six months down the road need some grace and strength for something that you have no idea that's what's in front of you. His mercies are new every single morning great is his faithfulness paul says look here's what i know it's not i but the grace of god that's with inside of me it's by the grace of god that i am living so this grace of god only comes from god it's divine this grace of god is is dynamic it's powerful to live in my life and i just don't think we use that muscle the way we should 
And that's why I encourage you, lean into that, work into that. And that grace of God is dependable. It's like God's word. You, it's so, it's, you, you can lean so heavily on God's grace that if it were to move, you would fall. And my prayer for us as a church today, my prayer for you, is that we would live in this grace. We would move in this grace. We would occupy this. I, that it would be said of us, going back to verse 10, but by the grace of God, we are what we are. I hope that people say that of me. But by the grace of God, I know Aaron. But by God's grace, he is what he is. Without the grace of God, he is a jacked up mess. But because of the grace of God, I hope that's what they say of you. I hope they don't think that the life that you're living, you're just good enough or smart enough or fast enough. Because you're not. There's always going to be somebody younger, somebody better looking, somebody faster, somebody smarter. Always. I know you can go on with your big bad self. But remember what Paul says in, in, in Philippians chapter 3. Look, man, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm faultless. I'm perfect. Nobody is that way. That's how we think without the grace of God. My prayer is that you and I will all say, but by the grace of God, we are what we are. That we're a biblically functioning faith community. That when people come in, they don't think that our stuff doesn't stink. I don't know how else to say it. I hope that people come into church and go, you know what? This is a real place for real people. Are we easy on sin? No, because the Bible isn't easy on sin. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's understanding that it's by grace that we're all sitting here. That none of us are better than the other. That none of us are more righteous than the other. God doesn't love anybody in this room any more than he loves somebody else. God doesn't love me better than he loves you. But I don't even serve God. Exactly. He died for us while we were yet sinners. That's when God loved us and died for us. Because he doesn't operate that we operate. He, he, it's, it's, it, God doesn't do for us what we do for him. This is not some, 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 some gangsta type of a deal. This is a relationship where God says, no, I love you just because you're my creation. I, I love you because you're my child. If you're a parent, you get that. You love your children, period. Whether they're in the home or they're outside the home. Whether they're following God or they're not following God. Whether they're doing what you want them to do or they're not. You love them. And, and for us to understand and, and sink our identity in that we are what we are but by the grace of God. And that when people come into our church and they come into our midst, they don't feel this sense of a biblical superiority or, or spiritual superiority. But rather, we're just humbly one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That that's what's said of us. I pray that the grace of God, as Paul says, would not be without effect. No, that, that we would strive harder than anybody else. What does that mean? Anybody else. That we would strive harder than the world and we'd strive harder than any other church. Are you talking about we should be competitive with any other church? In this context, yes, because that's what Paul says he was. I pray that you pray more. I pray that you give more. I pray that you read God's word more. I pray that you serve more. I pray that there is not another biblically functioning community in this entire state or nation that gives or serves or loves more than you. And that people know that. that they know that about you. Because we have received such grace that we understand that we are what we are. Not because of ourselves. Not because of our legacy. Not because of our actions. Not because of our giving but by the grace of God we are what we are and that at the end of the day we don't create credit for any of it but rather we just go to God be the glory to God be the glory amen amen that's my prayer is that we live in this dynamic of grace that we operate in this dynamic of grace 
and that we understand that grace doesn't come from me or from the church or from ourselves. It comes from the Lord above, and it's new and ready every single day. And today, if you need God's grace, I'm going to pray here in just a second. And if you need God's grace, just right where you are. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Just say, God, I need your grace today. God, I need help today. God, I'm struggling today. Maybe you're struggling with sin. Own it. God knows it. And quite frankly, you're not fooling anybody else in the room. God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe that, Jesus, you are that Savior. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you're just struggling today. Maybe you're struggling with things that are not necessarily sinful. They're just struggles that are happening in your life. Maybe they're things that are happening beyond you that are just frustrating you in such a way. And maybe it's something that's in your marriage. Maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe it's something at your job. Maybe it's just something inside of you. Maybe you're struggling with yourself. That's normal, normal, even in the life of a Christ follower. Look, look, look at Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8. Paul says that we have this struggle within us, ourselves that my body does what I don't want it to do. And the spirit is different. And, and, and there is this, there's this conflict that's constantly happening inside of me that I'm having to battle through. And so struggle is natural. Maybe that's what you need grace for today. I, I don't know. But he does. And so I'm just going to pray for us as a congregation and pray for you. That we walk and that we live and that we move in this divine, dynamic, dependable grace of God that's completely priceless. Let's pray. Father. I just thank you today that we can come before you at any time, at any day, with any need. And you're there. I thank you for your mercies, for your grace that are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. So, Father, today I pray for those here today that are far away from you and they need to come home. They need to come into right relationship. They would just simply pray, Lord, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I just pray, Lord, as people in this room today are praying that prayer, that you would just fill their hearts with peace that passes understanding. And that you would, Lord, let them feel the joy of the Lord that is beyond uh, description. I pray for people today, God, that are that just need grace in their life, Lord, to be able to, to function, to move. There are situations, circumstances, maybe of their own doing, maybe not. Maybe they're just things that are happening that they're affected by. I just pray for grace today. And I pray, Lord, let them just lean into this, not just today, but tomorrow as they go to work, and, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and then back again at church on Sunday. Lord, we need that grace every day. Let us use the grace that you've given us. Father, I just pray, Lord, today that you would help us as a congregation to be people that operate and that move and that live and that are known for the grace of God that passes understanding. Not just something that is for the sweet by and by, but for the here and now. That it marks us, marks our lives. In Jesus' name I pray.